What's good, guys? It's your host, Adrian Evans. Welcome to the Black Wealth Media Podcast, where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and we talk about how we can create wealth and build legacy within the black community. Let's get into this episode. that we would invest in what we would at least a small percentage of our of our capital into um main street businesses so two of our investments are considered more main street meaning they um i mean some characterize as lifestyle businesses where they they don't necessarily fit the category of venture where they scale will scale and have a you know a major exit or or um uh yeah, major major ex- exit uh, of sorts. Uh, so, the BU Cafe in Durham is a is a really I'd call it a, a legacy story of sorts. Um, the uh, the number of black businesses in downtown Durham that did not survive are are you know I hate to I hate to even think about them. But Dorian has run the, the BU and managed it and was able to purchase his building and we just saw him as a, a prime example of a, a, a visionary and a resilient entrepreneur. And he's been able to, uh, our investment has helped him, uh, you know, secure the kind of capital to allow him to continue to open more more cafes. And we, we have just enjoyed the journey with him, especially through the pandemic and how he's been able to grow a team and um, open more locations and address the, food and security uh, and just been great in that way. Our five, so just quickly, we have nine companies, five of them are in the Carolinas, one in Detroit, one in two in Atlanta, one in De- um, Chicago. Uh, and so we, we were uh, able to look at businesses that we felt had both an impact on, uh, so for example, one is a employee retention type of uh, uh, SaaS-based tool that addresses uh, the need for uh, enterprise companies to uh, attend intentionally to diverse work cultures. It's called yeah. five to nine and a really, really sound solution around the issue of retention and and, and helping black and brown uh, folks uh, grow inside of companies through through looking at uh, the the kinds of things that keep keep us in companies and feeling valued outside of the work life, the, the kind of the grind in the work life, um, that company was picked up by Morgan Stanley, a multicultural. They had a cohort. They do a cohort every year, and we were really impressed with them positioning themselves to be a part of that large multicultural um, uh, innovation opportunity. And then we have companies in solar, one in uh, what we call um, health innovation or uh, addressing red blood cell health as functional fluidics. Uh, we have a woman who's developed an, uh, uh, what call an artificial intelligence app where it can, you take a picture of your hair and it helps um, black women identify the best hair care products for their hair. Wow. Yeah, and then one is um, dealing with Student retention, really, student success, student retention, circle in, um, has really been uh, crushing it, as they say, in terms of uh, expanding into the higher education marketplace to uh, help students persist through and be more successful in the tougher courses that often kind of uh, 
um, cause students to, to drop out of school when they aren't able to pass, you know, stats and calculus and chemistry and some of those baseline weed out courses, as we call them. Um, and so, yeah, that's a kind of a quick run through. Yeah, th that's pretty awesome. Um, the the app you just mentioned, you said so like, does the app scan the person's hair and it can tell like what grade it is and it suggests hair care products? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, it's, wow. it's able to it's able to do it kind of like a DNA sort of uh, through through the through the, uh, um, the through the technology. She's able, you know, the founder was a computer science um, computer engineering grad from Georgia Tech, forty out of forty on, you know, all these uh, accolades, tremendous accolades by her, yeah, <laughs> know how, and she, um, you know, just. She's been at it for a few years now, developed some partnerships with folks like L'Oreal and some other big names in the industry and um, has been able to really monetize and uh, grow the, the business fairly substantially. So, yeah, yeah, it's been been great to, to be on her, be yeah. one of her investors. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool. I've never heard of any like technology like that. Um, that's definitely next level. Mm -hmm. um, but my next question, man, um, like when it comes to businesses, you aren't or like when it comes to businesses that do you guys. OK, OK, I'll say this. Do you guys only look for businesses that you really like or within industries that you really want to get into? Or like, are there also businesses that kind of turn you away from investing? Like, how does that work? But our first criteria is that they're high growth, except for like Keith mentioned, we, we do do Main Street. But it is not surprising that there are plenty of founders who have really good ideas. They already have significant revenue. Over half of our companies already had like half a million dollars in revenue, even before we invested in them, yeah. which shows a real problem because they still had a hard time attracting capital. So um, we're not, our criteria is basically, can we add something? I mean, is it an area that we understand? That's, gotcha. that's, that's the rule ventures ask themselves. Do I understand their business? They also ask, the, an entre, do you feel like the entrepreneur understands their business? Um, so it's pretty wide open. We do stay away from companies with a really long timeline you know if there's regulatory issues of like uh, fda approval and clinical trials those are those are not for us at our size um yeah and we stay away from you know the kind of companies that you know we're not i don't think we're investing in you know a craft brewery or anything like that just just for the sake of not being involved in alcohol or other other spaces like that yeah gotcha okay um so like what would you say what industry would you would you guys say has been the most interesting or has made you like oh i want to invest in that company well i will say uh, one of the things that we did recognize when we were starting the fund is to is to make to do what we could to see that our founders or founders that we invest in, you know, get a crack at the new technologies. So, like every generation, there's 
there's new technologies coming out and yeah you know today it's ai machine learning the list goes on you know um and there's a few industries where you know those in power and those in who have access are they going to get in and they're going to take advantage of those disruptive industries so as best as we can we didn't want to miss those opportunities um so like uh the um, optimal technologies, which is in, uh, they have a, they have a new solar, um, they have a more efficient solar collection device. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Uh, there's, there's been a couple that we haven't, that we've wanted to invest in, or we're very close to. You know, there's, there's companies that are using blockchain in healthcare, for instance, like that. So uh, I think those are ones that alongside the regular scalable just a good idea you know like uh, circle in is just a great he does study software for for universities as a business b2b play and um it's just he's he's just um applying technology to the peer-to-peer learning we all had study groups when we were in college um and they were in person but uh, apply technology to that. So. Okay, that's awesome. Um, so, like, since starting your uh, since starting Resilient Ventures, and and uh, you know, running the investment firm, what would you guys say has been like the biggest lesson um, in when it comes to running a venture capital firm and investing in? black and brown business owners? Uh, Well, there's so many. Um, Biggest uh, is, I would probably go with um, the back and forth around how we out saying black and brown founders um, come to uh, come into the uh, capital raising process. Um, there are so many ways to raise money. Um, and so we used to, you, you know, the going sort of wisdom is don't, don't take on investor money if you have to at all. And if, you know, if you do, um, just really be clear uh, why. Um, and what your use of the funds will be and how you see those, you know, that capital being deployed in such a way your company is really scalable. And then there's the whole, how do you value your company? Um, yeah. And there's, again, there's different dispositions on how much emphasis is placed on that early valuation, but clearly investors want it to be as low as possible to maximize the, um, you know, the profitability, the investment dollar. Um, And I, one of the things that, you know, Tom and I try to be honest about writing about is the mindset of the white investor and the mindset of the African-American founder and 
there's just challenges to overcome those those historical barriers to what it means to give up a, a portion of your business. And that's probably not the way to put it, but that kind of how it feels when you say, I'm going to take on investor dollars and they're going to take, you know, if it's a, what we call a price round or equity round, deciding, you know, how much of the company, um, you know, I should, I should, uh, could, should concede or yield to to the investors, and then, uh, like I say, there's many ways to to capitalize. There's what called safe notes, which, again, these were things I had to learn coming into business because, like I say, coming out of non traditional space, and we had to learn that okay, safe notes are not going to we should invest in because they don't give us a number of things, and I'll not go into a lot of detail for the sake of. <laughs> the uh, the level of 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 um, understanding to go that why safe notes are still being executed. Um, uh, there's convertible notes. There's uh, obviously equity rounds. There's we learned there's revenue shares. We learned there's a lot of founders are are using crowdfunding as a way to get to get to a capital state. You know, better capital state. Um, so just you know, learning and we've done we've done. Um, you know, just several of those um, with 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 realizing we won't we won't we decided that we wouldn't do safes anymore. Um, so, yeah, that's been the biggest learning that, you know, the differences and then the, the different dynamics of the, the kind of capital that you can um, deploy. OK. OK, cool. I think on the good side, though, with we we did happen into some really strong expertise in our area. We did carefully choose our advisory panel, our advisory committee. Uh, everyone has a strategic importance and our legal counsel is just amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lawyer here, African-American guy that had run a fund himself 10 years ago, one of the early funds. And so he really, and, and he does this, you know, he build he, he writes the, uh, the the agreements, the private placement memorandums for a lot of different funds. So we've really got some awesome resources to call on uh, to help us in that area. Yeah. Okay. Um. So one of my one of my last questions. Um, well, my last question. I want to ask you guys. What would you say? Uh, within the next year, what would you say uh, is your biggest goal with Resilient Ventures? Well, we're in the fourth year of a fund now, so we're kind. Of, it's a ten-year fund, so the first five years are calling the capital and deploying the capital, and then the next five years you follow those companies to exit. And there might need to be another year. Um, so we're actually at the point now where, as most businesses do, you plan for the next thing. And the next thing for us is to start another fund, um, similar thesis. We haven't figured out all the particulars, but um, within the next 18 months, we'll, we'll be raising for Resilient Ventures Fund 2. And that's, you know, we're, we're really excited about that. And... Uh, ready to go back to write up a thesis and 
take what we've learned, um, figure out how to report to our current LPs the progress and the success, and then how to state that to potential um, LPs. And I think one thing that we really haven't mentioned, you know, part of resilient is not just investing in these companies, but we really see a major part of what we do is education to my white peers and the people in power that, that hold the money. So, you know, we had a great situation that when we'd gather people in a room to hear about Resilient Ventures, we did have a bit of a captive audience. And, and instead of positioning ourselves as charity or philanthropy, or even as diversity, you know, is good business, yeah. we really went to, you know, this is, a, this is an injustice. We had our slide, we had a racial equity slide that basically explains, you know, the 250 years or really 400 years of economic disinheritance. And so, you know, no matter what happened, you know, we were talking to very powerful people, very wealthy people. And that may have been the first time they ever heard, you know, the idea that that bootstrapping is not really true. And, and there was a real economic injustice that happened here. And, yeah. you know, it's not it's not like they think it is. And colorblindness is not really a good way to look at the world. So we'll, we'll continue to do that. And we're, we're working on our, our, our script as we speak. And I think fortunately, interesting, I think in five years, more people are actually more receptive to that than they were even five years ago. So that's promising. I had, I had three conversations last week. One was a very typical colorblind man didn't see the need but two others were very much on the understanding that they're these are two white individuals you know and they clearly could understand that there has been a great injustice and we yeah. need to work to res restore that and repair it and i really didn't know where either of those two people were <laughs> honestly i started the conversation with them and you know, you just don't know. There are yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I definitely wish you guys the best in your adventures. <clears throat> and um, my my last question, guys, is, you know, how can people get into contact with you, you know, whether it be through social media or um, emails? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm on LinkedIn under Keith Daniel. I think it's Keith Daniel 88. Um, we have a website www.resilient-ventures.com and then you'll find um, the basic kind of profile and you'll see our, our current portfolio companies and our, our advisors and investors. Um, they all are, you know, incredible people. <clears throat> and uh, we, we are trying to um, continue to, well, we not shouldn't say trying, we're actively present in our local ecosystem of entrepreneurs and um, those seeking to build the build this, continue to drive and cultivate the system. So I spent some time down at Provident 1898. It's a co-working community focused on black and brown founders, innovators, and creators. Um, also, uh, you'll see me in the Durham community 
working along a lot of side, a lot of ind indigenous leaders who are who are committed to wealth building, um, uh, both in terms of addressing the uh, small business entrepreneurs and uh, like folks like Communities and Partnership in East Durham and the Fem Collective there, and then Duke University. You'll find me um, active in some of the. This weekend, there's a major uh, national Black alumni event um, being hosted at Duke University this weekend. And also Durham Cares. Uh, it's an organization that's been committed to, to justice work, particularly from the faith-based community. And we lead pilgrimages um, uh, for the community. And if you go to durhamcares.org, you'll see uh, the links to folks who are local in this area and want to understand the history of how Durham has been resilient for the black community and also the challenges that continue to face the disruption to black wealth building um, historically, so. All right. And Tom, how, how could people get in contact with you, man? Same way, um, our website, or you just Google Resilient Ventures and you'll find it. Um, but my email is up there, but I'm Tom period Drogi at resilient-ventures.com and yeah um glad to talk all right well guys i appreciate you for giving me the opportunity i appreciate uh you guys for reaching out and uh definitely shout out to will for contacting me through email um to get you guys up here nice yeah, yeah. thank you it's been a pleasure we really enjoyed it thank you thank you guys all right guys that's the end of the episode Again, I had Keith Daniel and Tom Drogi of Resilient Ventures, guys. And we are done and we are out. Peace. <laughs> Thank you. Peace. All right, y'all. That's the end of the episode. If you don't mind, do me a little favor and share this with a friend, a family member, neighbor, or a coworker if you got some value from this. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune into the next episode. Peace. <laughs>